here in this space and time, we're going to dig into God's Word. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 139 this morning. Uh, we are continuing in the series, How I Met the Father. It's an opportunity for us to, to hear uh, the Word revealed in uh, lives, to hear testimony about how God has, has taken His Word and, and used it and borne witness through someone's life in a mighty, mighty way. And so um, we've invited Megan to come forward and to offer the Word. Uh, but let's center our hearts and minds on Psalm 139, verses one through 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Would you pray with me? Well, Father God, we are so grateful to get to be together here today. And as your word says, where two or more are gathered in your name, you are with us, and so, God, we just recognize your presence in this place. And we ask you to do what only you can do, God, by the power of your spirit, which is teach us something more about you than we knew before we walked into this place. And would you give each of us a surrendered spirit 
to put aside any distractions or burdens we may have walked into this place with, lay them at your feet and simply say, Lord, what do you have for me this morning? And so, Father, we love you and we trust you and we give you this time and we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, for those of you that I don't know, my name is Megan Maserol, and I now serve as the youth director here at Covenant, which is funny because I wasn't here last Sunday when it was Youth Sunday. I, I apologize for that. My sister is doing this crazy thing where she's getting married, and so I have to be there for things like a bridal shower and such. But nevertheless, uh, on my way back to Houston from the Dallas area, I was watching the service back. And y'all, we have some incredible youth, right? Yes, please testify to that. I mean, I was watching the service, watching our students lead this incredible band, watching Aiden give us a message. And I immediately called Jason after I got done listening. And I said, brother, they are coming for our jobs. <laughs> they are coming for us. It's crazy. And, but, but the fact that we have the honor here at this church to get to experience watching God work in and through the lives of our students is in fact that it's an honor. That, that we are watching them live out an embodiment of verses like 1 Timothy 4.12 that says, do not let others look down upon you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in life, in love, in speech, in faith, and in purity. I believe we got a display of that last Sunday, Amen. And we're, we're getting to watch our students live out this faith unashamedly and in teaching us what it looks like to live authentically for Jesus. And in, in Aiden's sermon last week, uh, he talked about the same guy who wrote the very psalm that Jason just read, David. Aiden referred to David as the hymn, hymn of praise and worship. That when David spoke about praise and worship, you leaned in, you listened in, because it was worthwhile. You were listening to the guy, the guy, talk about praise and worship. And, and David became him of praise through much pain. You can see in the numerous, numerous psalms that David wrote, uh, the honesty of his worship, whether it be in times of immense joy or great, great grief. He learned that through whatever circumstance he found himself in, that he was to live a life surrendered to the one who saw him, formed him, and purposed him. And, and, and let's consider the life of David for, for just a moment, okay? Uh, David, a humble shepherd boy, 
the youngest of his family, yet he was anointed by Samuel to become king of Israel. And, and David grows in recognition and respect amongst the people of, of Israel, uh, but as he shows incredible bravery and courage in places we know as stories like David and Goliath and in various other battle victories. And then we have times where we see almost unbelievable faith displayed by David. When the very man who hired him as a musician, aka King Saul, then turns around and flips the script and pursues David to try to kill him because he's jealous of his fame and recognition that the people of Israel are giving to David. But yet, yet we watch this radical faith happen as David exhibits humble restraint. Humble restraint and does not kill the man who is pursuing him to kill him as he trusts God to be faithful, no matter what circumstance or what the outcome may or may not be, even if that could mean his own death. And so when this man, David, writes words like, for you created me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We believe him because we know he really believes this. He has experienced through every encounter of his life that God is, in fact, with him. That God sees him. And what the Lord has created for David are, in fact, wonderful works, even his own life. Faith that produces truths like, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. These truths held David strong and confident that the Lord is the one who is truly in control of all of this. And what's, what's even more interesting, as, as I've kind of pondered and reviewed over the life of David, is that his display of this kind of insurmountable faith began when he was really, really young. Started at a very, very young age. And just as we marvel at what God is doing in and through the lives of our students, I can't help but imagine that people that were older than David did the same thing marveling at him. That this this oozing out of faith that was happening, this kingdom building like faith that was coming out of a, the mouth and life of a pint-sized kid. 
as this young man faced circumstance after circumstance that could have produced doubt, agony, defeat, we see a strengthened faith rising all the more. I, too, uh, resonate as my conscious awareness of God's working in and through my life began at a young age. I, uh, I grew up in church. There's been a long-standing joke that they cut the umbilical cord and stuck me in my home church because my, my earliest memories were being in and around the people of God in the workings of God in the life of a local church. And so when I found myself at around six or seven years old with my grandma in my bedroom, who my grandma, my nana, uh, was a key spiritual mentor and really idol in my life. When I found us in, in this place in my bedroom where she started asking me about Jesus and about Jesus coming into my heart, I was, I was ready. I was aware that I had a need that couldn't be fixed outside of the saving grace of Jesus. And, and I'll never forget after I uh, prayed with my grandmother and prayed for God to forgive me of my sins, for Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come in to my heart, I, uh, I leaned over to my Nana and I whispered, Nana, I feel so warm inside. I think Jesus is with me. And my Nana, sweet and spicy at the same time, <laughs> She answered, she goes, that's the Holy Spirit, Megan, and you better listen to him. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And the next day on the playground, I, I'm out at recess with my friends, and I gathered as many of my friends as I could, and I put them, I put them in a circle, and I began telling them how there was this really, really cool guy named Jesus, and they could have him in his heart, too. And I just was a little uh, evangelist to, to my friends on the playground. And, and, and for me, that is such a sweet thing to reflect on. One, of just childlike faith in action. But two, what a sweet foreshadowing that I could have never known. Just getting opportunities to, to stand in front of people and talk about this guy Jesus that I love. And so I met the Father first as Savior. And the one that really made my life make sense. Because you see, there wasn't a lot in my life that after I met the Father in this way that just drastically, circumstantially changed. But yet, meeting the Father gave purpose and resonance and understanding to this life that I was already living with my family and my church family and everyone around me. And I was involved in every church-related thing that you could imagine. 
I even somehow managed, I mean, in my head, I say I managed to sneak on to the older kids' mission trip, but maybe I wasn't as sneaky as I thought. But in my head, that's how the story goes, is that I found my way to be with the older kids, with the big kids, and go on mission trips with them. Or I would travel around with my dad as he led worship, not only at our church, but in various other places. And I wanted to be around my father, so that meant continuing to come around our father. And my childlike faith was just growing and growing in pretty normal of, of circumstances. And it was, it was changing me and preparing me in ways I, I could have never imagined. Because on a, on a Saturday morning, I was 11 years old. I woke up to the sound of my mom screaming and crying. I ran and got my brother and sister, and, and my mom's door to her bedroom was locked, so we couldn't go in, so we just kind of came into the living room and didn't really know what was going on or what to do. And then my grandparents showed up. And then my pastor showed up. And everybody looked really sad, but nobody would say why. And finally, uh, my mom joined us in the living room. And I'll never forget her face as she told us that. That my dad had passed away in a car accident the night before. And what became true of my physical state in that moment reflected the realities of my emotional state for the next several years. Because almost instantaneously as we received this news, I picked myself up off of the couch and I bolted out of my house. Ran down the street as far as my 11-year-old legs would take me and then just collapsed on the curb, sobbing in just utter disbelief. I didn't know what to do with these thoughts and emotions or really the reality that was now somehow mine. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with them other than run from them. And so that's what I did. Because since I didn't know what to do with this reality or how to help myself, surely nobody else knew how to either. The next several years of my life, the way I've, I've come to describe them is that I was in a state of existing, but not living. Like numb in the, the biggest sense of the word. 
uh, I, was, I was present physically, but everything else was, was gravely lacking. And I would, I would still show up to things. I would even still show up to all my church stuff, right? I'd, I'd come, go to school. I was going through the motions of life. But if anyone tried to connect with me deeply, especially, especially about the things of my father, I would shut down and then lash out pretty aggressively. <laughs> I would smart off with phrases like, I'm, I'm sorry. Did your dad die? Hmm. Uh, how about when you were my age? Or how about did this happen only a couple months after your parents got divorced? Hmm. No? No? Great. Great. And as you can imagine, that would shut down any engagement pretty quickly. And, and what was even harder about this time is I didn't even let God into my pain. And it wasn't because I didn't believe that he was real. Truly, I, I never doubted in, in, this, in this time that, that God wasn't real. I still believed that he was very much alive and active and present. But because I couldn't make sense of my circumstances, I didn't understand how to come to him with my pain. And so I didn't come to him or anyone with it at all. And when I think of some of those honest psalms that David wrote, like the one that starts, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't help but feel seen. And in the similarity of the inner depths of my soul at that time, I knew God saw me. I just didn't know if he cared. Then the summer before I went into high school, I found myself at a church camp in Panama City, Florida. And it was it was pretty cool. If for nothing else, we were at a at a church camp on a beach. And I was with my youth group at the time, and it was one of those church camps where our church plus several other churches were there with their youth groups, and every night we would have this collective service together, a worship service and a message with everyone, everyone involved. But then after, after the message, you would break up into your individual church and just be with your youth group and with your leader, your adult leaders that were present. And so halfway through this church camp, it's after the service and I can't tell you what the sermon was. I can't tell you what the worship band was doing. But I distinctly remember coming back to the, to the room that we would meet in just with our church. And I looked around the room and I felt safe. Most of the kids that were on the trip that year, gosh, some of them I'd 
I'd known since we were in, in children's church together. The adult leaders that were there, I knew them all by name. Some of them had even held me in the nursery. And in, in that space of feeling, feeling safe and known, I broke. I broke. My, my poor youth pastor at the time, he was in the middle of saying something. And I just lost it. I just started weeping and I threw open my arms physically and I said, I am not okay. And I can't pretend like I am anymore. And all that I had been running from and trying to hide away from came flooding forward. And as I'm being swept by a clear flood of emotions, there is this constant pressing thought that is not my thought being spoken over me on repeat over and over and over again. Saying, Megan, you were never meant to carry this. And if you give this to me, I'll show you that I'm worth following. And I'll show you I'm worth living for. And in this place of exposed vulnerability, I went from having only met the Father's saving grace to meeting the Father's loving heart. Realizing that God the Father loves me and loves us so much. Death was not his original design. It is only a product of sin and brokenness in our world. So God having to watch his children face the consequences of a world not being as it should breaks his heart too. And he saw mine, my aching, broken heart. And he said, I'll, I'll carry this for you, daughter. I'll put back together and make purpose out of this wreckage. And as my word promises, I'll be close to the brokenhearted. So I'll be close to you. I met the father through the aching of grief for my earthly father. I met his goodness while he held me in circumstances that were anything but good. He showed me my purpose when I couldn't see past my ever-present pain. And it, it changed everything. It changed everything. 
step by step, day by day, I watched the Lord heal my heart and walk me into his purposes for my life. Through the continual support of my church family, my friends, my actual family, I got to watch God work in and through this heart of mine. I was starting to see in a whole new way how scripture was true for me too. Like Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to two good works for which he prepared in advance for us. I could see how he was using my life to make him known. How my story wasn't a masterpiece ruined by tragedy, but a workmanship crafted to bring him glory. How just as it was true for David, it was true for me too that I was knit in my mother's womb that his hand would guide me and that his right hand would hold me fast. That maybe I thought at first I could or should flee from the Father's presence because I didn't understand what was happening in my story. But now I saw that he was ever present. His eyes even saw me when I was just an unformed body. And as my journey with him hasn't been anything close to perfect, it's been an honest one. It's been an honest fight. Much as we see our brother David stumble at times, I too have had my fair share of wanting to run and hide my pain, my shame, and hurt from the Lord. I wrote a lot of these stories in moments down in a little book I put out this year. But what has continued to free my heart time and time again is the same truth that freed me when I was 14 years old and broken, and scared, and sad. And it is the truth that our Father is Elroy, the God who sees me. Before a word is on my tongue, he knows it completely. He made me in the secret place. When I lie down or when I rise, he is still there with me. Because I've seen his goodness over and over and over again in my life, I am drawn back into his loving arms rather than running away. He called me out of darkness. He called me out of hiding my pain and shame. He is the God who sees me.
and he's my father. Always. Let's pray. God, thank you for the simple but profound truth that you are Father. You are the Father that loved us so much that you created a way for us to come running back to you. And God, because that is true, would you make it true of each of our stories that we would not run from you, but run to you because we can. This undeserved grace that we have been given, this divide that was wide, that has now been brought close. Would we remember this when the lies of our pain and our shame and our hurt and our doubt and our our misunderstanding, our not understanding, try to tell us that you don't love us and that you are not good. God, would you make it true of our story that even in the midst of a wrestling through life and faith that we too would be like David and be called a people after God's own heart. God, would you make it true of us? Let us be reminded how deep the Father's love is for us and that we can come out of our fear in our brokenness, in our pain, and run into the Father's arms that are here today and always. God, we love you, and we trust you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would extend a hand, we're going to offer a word of blessing and thanksgiving over Megan. Lord, we come before you. Thankful for our sister Megan, thankful for her witness, Lord. You commissioned your followers to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even in the Woodlands, Texas. And you have used Megan as your witness today. Lord, we thank you for her childlike faith that knew your son, our Savior. And Lord, we pray over her brokenness, knowing that, uh, that those are wounds that we don't carry lightly, but we hand to use. Lord, I thank you for your willingness to carry her burdens and to heal her wounds and to restore her. Lord, we thank you for a faith that is in a God who sees and in a God who knows. And so, Lord, we ask that you would see her and know her even in this moment and that she would know your Holy Spirit's presence as a source of comfort and peace and of blessing. Lord, let her witness ring powerfully through our congregation and our community. We thank you for her and for it and offer blessings upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.